Well, good morning, everyone. So I was thinking six years ago, it was my very first Sunday at Calvary, and I was in this room, and some of you were in this room, and for the past six years along the way, um, we have shared so many great moments in this room. God has done so many wonderful and incredible things um, within this community of believers, and Tasha and I, I'm going to speak for her just this once time, um, we have enjoyed our time here. We have grown up. Um, so many of you have been so wonderful to us. Uh, you've taken us into your families. You've loved us. You've cared for us. Uh, so thank you so very much for that. Um, th so this morning, our series is continuing on serving the world. And when you came in this morning, there was a little note on your chair. And this is from Lamont Kids, because Lamont Kids wanted to remind you that there are really simple ways that we can serve one another. And sometimes the most simplest way is by a sweet, encouraging note, letting you know that you are worthy of a beautiful life. It's going to be okay. Don't forget to smile. So we want to encourage you, the kids and I, because they're experts in this, um, to stick this note somewhere where you're going to be able to look at it every day. Maybe on your fridge, maybe in your car, maybe near your bedstand, maybe on a mirror. Uh, just remember that you have what it takes. So this morning, we are going to be um, looking at Jesus, who was the ultimate server. And we're going to be looking at some ways he served and also uh, how we can serve in 2017 in this great big world that we are a part of. So our first text, we are going to be in Mark 3, and beginning at verse 1. And the words are going to pop up on the screen, and we are good to go. Shout out to our media team. Jesus went into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. Would he heal the man's hand on the Sabbath? If he did, they planned to condemn him. Jesus said to the man, come and stand in front of everyone. Then he turned to his critics and asked, is it legal to do good deeds on the Sabbath, or is it a day for doing harm? Is this a day to save a life or destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. He looked around at them angrily because he was deeply disturbed by their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, reach out your hand. The man reached out his hand, and it became normal again. So let's set the scene for this. So the reason the Pharisees came to Jerusalem that day was to spy on Jesus. They had already decided that they were going to kill him. The Pharisees believed that Jesus was a blasphemer and he was a breaker of the Sabbath, but they wanted to catch him in the act. And they knew that they could possibly do it that day. And guys, this brought them so much pleasure. So Jesus knew the motives of the Pharisees. And the, the interesting part is when you read this text is the Pharisees were expecting Jesus to heal this man. They knew Jesus had the power to do this. In fact, they knew that Jesus could pretty much do all good. So they were admitting that Jesus had the power to heal. Jesus, they knew, here's what we need to remember about the Pharisees. They knew about Jesus, but they didn't know Jesus. And in this world, there's a lot of people who know about Jesus, but they have yet to discover him. And that is where, I, where you and I come in in serving the world. And we need to remember that the Pharisees, they were so fixated on the law. They loved the law so much that they started to lose sight of serving other people. And they had lost their joy in serving and in doing good. And it's like their fists were so tight. The law was so tightly around them that they missed so many opportunities 
that Jesus shared with other people, and they missed so many opportunities to do good. So the question you and I need to ask ourselves, and this is a good question to ask, what are the things in our lives that we hold on to so tightly that we lose sight of serving and caring for others? Just let that sink in for a minute. What are the things in our lives that we hold on to so tightly that we lose sight of serving and caring for others? And for each of us, our answer is going to be different. And when you start to answer that question, you may feel a little uncomfortable, and there may be a little tension, and that's okay, because that means God's bringing, he's, he's bringing some revelation, he's, he's bringing some things to light, and he's going to show you ways that you can serve, and that you can serve well. But here's the great part, when we begin to loosen those things that we hold on to so tightly, our eyes become open, our hearts become open, and we all of a sudden look around and we see all these great opportunities that are right in front of us to serve and to do good. So you and I, let's practice that truth. Let's go around doing good. Jesus was filled with a deep sadness. In, a, in the text it says anger. When it translates, it, it, translates, it translates to a deep sadness. Because Jesus looked around and he saw the potential these Pharisees had. But they were totally missing the mark. The Pharisees had a great opportunity to change their minds about Jesus and others. But their hearts were so hard and callous. So another thing you and I can be aware of, of, let's always be aware of the condition of our hearts. Is there some areas that we're getting callous in? Are there some areas that we're starting to close off? Let's always be aware of those conditions. And let's always be open to let God pinpoint those areas in our lives. So Jesus tells this man to stretch out his hand, and he's instantly healed. And for this man, his life totally changed. Instantly, he was healed and restored. Jesus called things into being. And when you and I serve, we are able to call things into being. Things that have made wrong, you and I can make right. We call the plans and purposes of God into people's life. We remind people that there is good in the world. Jesus knew that there was never a wrong day to do something truly good. And it is the same for you and I. God is going to use each one of us to bring hope, joy, and celebration into the world through serving. And we're going to serve in a variety in, in different capacities. So last month at our VBS, um, which was awesome, by the way, we had this opportunity to partner with Operation Kids a Kid. And every year, they look around the world, and they look at opportunities where kids can serve, and kids can help, and kids can give. So this year, they looked in areas of Peru, in remote areas. Um, these are areas where clean drinking water is not accessible to people. So we showed the kids this really great video, and it showed them what life was like in remote areas of Peru. And I really wanted to challenge the kids, and I really wanted to encourage them to serve and to give. One of the ways we can serve is by giving. So I came up with this challenge, and I said, hey, guys, if you give $100, then I'm going to match that, and I'm going to give $100, too. And they were so excited, and they're like, oh, yeah, we, we can do this. And I wanted to challenge them for a few reasons. I wanted them to see my excitement and my commitment to giving. And I wanted them to be able to participate and joyfully give. And I wanted them to know that this simple act of giving and serving was going to change people's lives. So this is what it was. For $5, just $5, you could supply a year of clean drinking water to one person. So we brought up two Happy Meals because that's very realistic. Um, so for some of us, $5 is what? A trip to Dunkin' Donuts, to Starbucks, to the juice bar for a smoothie at Mariano's if you're me. Really simple to do. 
So I said this on a Wednesday night, and we had Thursday night and Friday night to give. And the kids, you guys, they were so excited to serve and to give. And they would come in and they would say, I emptied my piggy bank today. Um, this is my very own money. And they were so cheerful and they were so excited. And on Friday night, all of our, and our leaders got in on it and they were excited to give and kids were coming with Ziploc bags full of change. And I thought, oh, I hope I don't have to count this all. And, but our other leaders did who were awesome. So Friday night, we had this well that the kids would put their money in, so we dump it out, and there's probably like six or seven leaders just counting mounds of change and dollar bills, and they keep on counting, and it's not stopping, and I'm getting so excited. That night, in two nights, kids and adults gave $500 to serving, and it was so, I was so deeply touched. I know, shout out. And I have to tell you, I was so deeply touched by these kids watching them serve, and they were excited, and they were so generous. Um, so even at the age of five and seven and ten, kids are learning what it means to serve, and I just believe that's going to continue to grow into them as they become teenagers and adults, and it's just going to become a part of their lifestyle. And I also know in those remote villages in Peru, there's much celebration, there's much rejoicing, because people decided to serve on the other side of the world, which is awesome. So another example we're going to look at of when Jesus served someone is in John 8, 1 through 11. And I'm just going to recap this for you, and I'm going to set the scene for you. So Jesus was teaching in the temple one day, and the Pharisees and the scribes came in, interrupted him, didn't care, they were on a mission. And they bring in this woman who was caught in the act of adultery. And we need to note that it was just the woman. The man who was just as guilty as the woman uh, wasn't with her. She was just by herself. And some scholars believe that the man, he was in the crowd of accusers. So they bring her in. And the Pharisees were on this mission because, guys, more than anything else, they wanted to get rid of Jesus. And they wanted him gone once and for all. And they thought maybe they could potentially trap Jesus. So they used this woman as an object, as a thing, as a pawn, they didn't see her as a person. They just saw her as a trap. So they thought Jesus could do one of two things. He would either say, let her go. And if Jesus were to say, let her go, then he would be breaking the law of Moses. And if Jesus said, yes, she's guilty, execute her. So Jesus would have been broke, breaking the Roman law. So the Pharisees thought, oh, man, we've got to have him now. He's got to answer this. Now, Jesus, he's fully aware of their motives, and he knows exactly what they're doing, and he knows their ultimate plan. So Jesus, being Jesus, this text tells us that he, that he stoops down to where this woman is, and he begins writing something in the dirt. And a lot of scholars and theologians, theologians uh, there's a lot of debate about what he actually wrote, and we really don't know what he wrote. But we know that Jesus stoops down. And when he stoops down, he meets this woman exactly where she is, in her fear, in her brokenness, in her uncertainty. This woman believes that she has been given a, a death sentence. She doesn't know what's going to happen. He stoops down, and he meets her exactly where she is. And as you and I serve in this broken, busted-up world, we are going to be able to stoop down 
and we are going to be able to meet people exactly where they are, and we are going to find people in a variety of different ways. Sometimes they're going to be broken, sometimes they're going to be searching, sometimes they're going to need to be encouraged, they're going to be um, needing to be loved, to know that they're safe, to know that they're accepted. Let's learn by Jesus' example, he stooped down. And another thing we need to take notice, in this day and age and in the culture that Jesus was in, men did not stoop down to women. And I can tell you, everyone who saw Jesus do that took notice of him. And then the Pharisees, they're waiting, and they keep asking Jesus to give them an answer. What is he going to say? What is he going to do? And I love this. Jesus, he stands up, and he looks them right in the eye, and he says, but let those who have never sinned throw the first stones. And suddenly the Pharisees know their plan has failed. They are done. It is over. And they feel so convicted. You see, one thing about the Pharisees, where they were trying to ignore their sins by punishing someone else, and right then and there they knew what Jesus, that Jesus was speaking to them. In fact, in John 8 and 9, it states how the accusers left first. The oldest Pharisees left first, and then the younger followed. Because they instantly and easily knew that Jesus was talking to them. So the Pharisees leave, the scribes leave, and suddenly it is just Jesus and this woman. And she stands up, and, and I'm sure she's breathing a sigh of relief. She was expecting she was going to die this day. And suddenly she has been given the gift of life. And Jesus looks at her and he says, where are, your, where are your accusers? And he says to her, go and sin no more. When we serve others, we have the opportunity to speak hope and redemption into their lives. And in that moment, Jesus was saying to her, I see you. He was looking beyond the brokenness. He was looking beyond her sin. And he saw her. She, to Jesus, she was not a thing or an object or a pawn. He saw a woman in need of life, in need of grace, in need of truth, and in need of redemption. And if you and I start looking at people with grace and redemption and life, our hearts are going to be filled with compassion. And we are going to be able to see G people the way Jesus sees them. And our hearts are just going to continue to expand. And Jesus is going to give us the words and the truth to speak life into people. I like this story because it also illustrates how precious and valuable women are to God. Because Jesus came to serve both men and women. And in this story, he so beautifully and wonderfully portrays that. Sean Groves says this about women. Before misogynists demeaned her and governments oppressed her, before religions veiled her, and preachers silenced her, before cover girls shamed her and employers underpaid her, before fathers neglected her and husbands abandoned her, before the world fell and forgot her worth, she was woman. She was prized, honored, essential, and loved. In the midst of this woman's brokenness and sin, Jesus so practices grace. As we serve the world, may we show others that they too are prized, honored, essential, and loved. In serving the world, the message of Jesus is most influential and life-giving when it is practiced by both men and women. One is not greater than the other. 
One does not dominate over the other. Both are needed. Both are called by God to serve and to lead well. Sarah Bessie writes this, For the sake of the gospel, women must speak, teach, and minister. For the sake of the gospel, a woman must be free to walk in her God-breathed self in whatever vocation and season and place of life. And Jesus illustrates that for us. So may we, men and women, rise up together and serve this great big world that is in need of redemption. We need each other to do this mission. So let's go forward doing that. So another thing about serving the world is serving the world is going to look differently for each one of us. Will we be open and trust God as he shows us ways that we can serve? Serving is going to lead to adventures and experiences that will greatly impact others and ourselves in deep and meaningful ways. And serving is going to take us to places we could never imagine. And guys, that's a really, really great thing. So a few years ago, um, an opportunity was presented to my dad, George. And a few years ago, I was able to introduce you to my mom, Debbie. And she shared her story of knowing Jesus. And today, I could not leave Calvary without introducing you to my dad, George. Um, so he is going to share his story about serving the world and how serving the world took him on an adventure that he never imagined. And the great part of the story is I had a front row seat to it. So Calvary, please help me welcome to the stage my dad, George. Good morning, everyone. Yeah, have a seat. Make yourself comfortable. Listen, we are just going to have a chat with a couple hundred friends this morning, so so it's going to be great. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna get some insight. Okay, so I'll set the scene. So it was six years ago, and we had this great opportunity to serve the world, and that opportunity took place in Guatemala. And as soon as I heard that we were going back to Guatemala, I was so excited. I was in. And Dad, you decided that you were going to come along too on the adventure. Yes, I did. So, what made you decide to go to Guatemala? Well, just hearing from you and your sister's experience on mission trips, and you see about it, you know, in the newspapers, you see it on TV or in films, and to actually be there and see how people live in a third world country, it just literally blew my mind. The place that we went to was on top of this mountain in Guatemala, and. Uh, no electricity, they had solar lights, and uh, back then in 2011, the solar lights only lasted so long, then they just died out. Uh, plumbing, uh, it's not like we have here in the States. It was a lot different, and it was pitch black at night. And the nice thing about it that night, it was so awesome at night to see all these stars you never knew that were in the sky. I mean, thousands and thousands of them, and it just literally blew my mind. And actually see how people live, how they, they were happy. They enjoyed it. They, they worked very hard. They raised families up on the mountain. And it was an awesome experience that I went through. It was. Guys, just getting to this mountain. So we were working with these missionaries who had been in Guatemala for about 20 plus years. They loaded us all up in this truck. So there's probably like, what, 20 of us crammed in this truck. Um, I got to go in another vehicle that was enclosed. So we're driving up this mountain. There are no guardrails. You know, the roads are probably like this wide. Um, and our drivers, they are just speeding up, and you look over, and you, 
you look over and you just have full confidence in your drivers. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. These drivers are serving you and you are putting your life in their hands knowing. We were living on the edge. We were living on the edge. We, we really were. But we knew we'd make it to the top of the mountain. So, Dad, while you were serving in Guatemala, what are some things that you experienced? Personally? Yes. Uh, to begin with, before that really uh, we took off, that trip was in February 2011, and my birthday was in January, so it was my 60th birthday. So my wife, Deborah, Alexis, and Tasha wanted to throw me a party for my 60th birthday. So for your math, this is I'm 66 now, so. And I wasn't uh, going to say that. I was going to like you, by the yeah, way. I figured that out by myself. Okay. <laughs> so in, in lieu of presents, birthday presents, I wanted everyone to bring something you know, for my missions trip because they were in need of personal items like toothpaste, uh, toothbrushes, was it soap too? Soaps. Soaps. Shoes. Shoes. And uh, <laughs> so my birthday came. We had this big party. And it was a really nasty night in Albany, New York. Rain, snow, sleet, but people came. And what literally boggles my mind to this day is the amount of stuff that was given. Like hundreds and hundreds of tubes of toothpaste, toothbrushes. We must have four to five hundred toothbrushes. <laughs> and we fit everything in a big giant duffel bag. And we took it on the plane with us. And it was just exciting to see the you know the, the children especially you get a new toothbrush and toothpaste. It just is an awesome thing. And another thing that really blew my mind also was my brother-in-law, John, he wants to go on these mission trips with us. So Tasha and Alexis would talk to Uncle John about the trips and say, well, next time you go on a trip, you know, I want to go, I want to go. So Alexis said, well, Uncle John, you know, you're going to have to bring your Bible and we have daily devotions. Yeah, I'll do it, I'll do it. So you're probably saying, well, th that's normal. You know, you bring your Bible now, but Uncle John was an atheist. He didn't believe, he also didn't believe in God. But he wanted to go on this missions trip. And he realized that he would have to participate somewhat or just come to the devotionals. But every devotional, Uncle John was there with his Bible. And it was just, just an exciting thing to see. It was awesome. And then he started asking questions. And he wanted to be a part of this because everyone wants to be a part of something that's bigger than themselves. And serving the world means you and I get to do that together. So, Dad, what would you say to the person who wants to serve on a team trip and is yet to go. Just go ahead and do it. Really, to be honest with you, on our trip, we had teenagers to senior citizens, so there's always a need for you to do something in the missions field. You know, we were pouring a foundation to build a house. We were hauling blocks, cement bags, pouring cement, laying blocks. But if you weren't up to do it, there's other things that we could have you do. We had people uh, uh, doing rebar, you know, putting that together with wire to use for supports. So there's always something for you to do out in the mission field. So don't let age be a number to hold you back. Just do it and serve the Lord. Awesome. Thanks, Dad. That's right. <laughs> I love it, George. Just do it. So something exciting for me it's been the past six years with you at Calvary. I have seen you serve. I've seen you serve well, and I've seen you lead well. From Lamont kids to our volunteer leaders who have served kids and who have served the community, it has been awesome. 
for everyone who serves at Excite Night, when this place is packed with 500 people, you don't know anyone, you are serving our community. From everyone who's gone on disaster relief trips with us, as we serve our neighbors who have lost their homes, whose communities have been um, really literally like blown apart and destroyed by storms, I've seen you serve. From helping with hope and friendship to all of our community events, you have served well, and this is what I know about you, Calvary. You love to serve, and you show up, and you serve with your hearts, and when you do, you are an extension of Jesus, and as you serve in other areas of the community, you serve wholeheartedly, and you serve well, and you are making this world better because you keep showing up. You keep bringing people hope. You keep reminding them that Jesus is for everyone, and there is a place at the table for everyone. So we're learning together and discovering that it is through serving we discover the meaning of our lives. Maybe practice that there is never a wrong day to do something truly good, as Jesus taught us. Maybe serve with grace and truth while giving hope to others. Maybe be open to opportunities of serving, knowing that God has placed us in the world to serve now and to serve it well. Serving the world is for everyone. So let's together serve wholeheartedly with joy, grace, love, and truth as we point people to Jesus. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you that as we read about you and learn about you, you served this broken world so well. You were full of truth and grace and mercy and compassion, and you met people exactly where they were, and you saw what they could be, Jesus. And today I ask that we would open up our eyes and our hearts to this world, that we would allow you to put opportunities in our lives to serve. And when we do, we will step into those opportunities and we will serve wholeheartedly. We will serve with grace and compassion and truth. We will make things right that have been wronged in this world. So Jesus, right now I ask that you'd begin to speak to people and you'd begin this week to show us ways that we could practice serving God, and we would do it well, and we would find such joy in it as you found joy in serving Jesus. So I thank you for Calvary. I thank you for this community of believers, and I pray that they would continue to serve well. And Jesus, I ask that you would continue to give them dreams that are bigger than themselves, dreams that can only be accomplished through you. And I pray that they would step out in faith, that they would even take risks to serve people, because that is what you did Jesus, so I pray that they would be full of courage and boldness and tenderness and such sweet love. So Jesus, I thank you that our life and times are in your hands, and I pray that we would serve well to the end. Amen.